0: Is Urbanator Land production. Enjoy. Let me get rid of this app, this disaster app. It works. It'll work when we work out the kinks. It does work. Um, Right now, it's just
1: kind of like eh. we're talking Voxer, and I can prove it because there you are. See, and uh, here's your message.
0: Oh, so Voxer is pretty much. What's up, dude? Uh, it's Lewis, uh, just chilling right next to you. No big deal. See, it's coming. in. The phone is what was screwed up. Uh, sorry about that. I th-
1: I thought it was my fault. No, everything's fine. It's just my HTC is from 2000, and you know, no teens
0: involved. Just the 2000s. What's up, Kevin? Hey, man, where'd you come from? Oh, I've been in your house for a while now. I wish I didn't see half the things I saw, but, you know, I'm here now.
1: How present. do you... This is the second time that you've snuck in into the house, and snuck in is a word.
0: If you didn't have so many statues, I wouldn't be able to hide amongst them. That's true. Yeah.
1: So, it's, it's, I'm glad to see your arrival.
0: Yeah. Well, you didn't actually see my arrival. You saw me when I presented myself. When I wanted to be seen. Oh. much like i don't know an alien species who has been here for years and years observing us and then only made themselves present when they wanted to be seen isn't that
1: a little like uh omnipotous
0: i is don't know if a- it's omnipotous but it's definitely on the nose for this podcast
1: and i don't even know if that's a word
0: omnipotous is that a, a word you went to college i know omnipotent is a word and Don't it, ask me to define it, but yeah, it's definitely a word.
1: Well, so you just appeared because you wanted me to see you.
0: Yes. I also, I ate some of the cheese from your fridge. I'm sorry. Also, I, I pet your cat a lot.
1: You want to just record
0: a show then? Yeah, let's do that. Here's John. I'm funny how to be funny like I'm a clown and abuse you. With Lewis and Zuru. Get busy living or get busy dying. Get your articulated I'm Jay. I'm Forrest
1: Forrest.
0: Are you going to plagiarize the whole thing Boris? for us? We're theater cats.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 8 of TheaterCast. This is pre-recorded live right here in the heart of Connecticut in k Studios. Kevin McLaughlin provides us with happiness and joy. Thanks, Kev. Thank you, Kevin, very much. Tonight we will discuss the movie Arrival. So get your tickets, grab your popcorn, take your seats, and get your drinks. Not in that order. For the show is about to begin.
0: How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. It's been a while since we've recorded an episode.
1: It's been a while since we recorded an episode with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it has been. Um, you know, we were both busy for the, the holiday season. Extremely. We had a lot of stuff to do.
1: And I was recording a lot of music, so I cut out podcasting for like a whole month. You were podcast
0: absent. I was, abs-
1: I was drinking absinthe while I was on absent of podcasting.
0: That explains the holiday record. Yes, <laughs> that's where it came from. It just arose. It doesn't matter. I was busy too. I had a lot of stuff to do for work, uh, just various different things from uh, you know scheduling shifts to you know holiday seasonal hours. I got a lot of overtime, so I got a little extra money in the bank, which is nice. I notice you're wearing a new jacket. Um, yeah, I got myself a new jacket. It's, it's denim. So, I kind of bought a jacket that was appropriate for 20 years ago, but yeah, I got a new jacket at least. It's fine. You look good 20 years ago. Thank you. I do look good 20 years ago.
1: And that's what's important.
0: I just need to find a person that sees 20 years ago me and says, hey, I want to be with that guy.
1: (laughs) I want to be with that. (laughs) I miss those 20 years ago. Or
0: maybe even sees time. (gasps) non-linearly speaking of which foreshadowing that was foreshadowing guys no thank you
1: a metamorphical
0: no but i i have been good and i have been listening to a ton of podcasts Mm -hmm. a few of which have been yours thank you a whole bunch more have been every other podcast out there (laughs) no no offense i've just been i've been listening to a ton oh that's because i've just been doing a lot of work i prefer if you only listen to my shows Well, you actually do not have enough content to cover every hour of my day that I listen to podcasts.
1: That's a good point. You produce
0: a lot, an amazing amount. I'm not going to lie. But you lie to me. I listen to way too many podcasts. It's like my main form of media consumption, second most being like streaming services like Netflix. But it's mostly podcasts because I am listening to things while I'm doing other stuff. I need my hands to be free, and I need to be able to move about. And you can't watch stuff. Like, I, we don't have the technology yet where you can just beam movies into your mind while you're doing other stuff. That will come. Until that happens, while I'm doing other things, it's all podcasts. While I'm walking, podcasts. While I'm cleaning things, podcasts. Sometimes while I'm working, podcasts. Don't tell my boss.
1: You're allowed to listen to them while you work, aren't you? Uh,
0: oh, no, not at all.
1: How so do you do? don't. Tell this my is boss. why you have long hair.
0: Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> That's definitely not while I, uh, why I wear beanie caps. Let's put it that way. Gotcha. Yeah. So I, I listen to tons, and I have been nothing but inspired by listening to so many different podcasts, many of which have just been launched in the last month, and. It's. You'll it's, have
1: to key me in on some of those because I definitely need some new shows.
0: Oh, I definitely will. I have lists. But it has also inspired me to come back with a renewed sense of vigor for this podcast.
1: That's true. Uh, everyone should know tonight that this gentleman, since he is the first name on the ticket... This is really 90% his show. I show up just to push record and be a comical side effect to his genius.
0: It is 90% me talking and 80% him recording. I don't know what percent that adds up to, but...
1: Uh, That'll be uh, 170%, and then the other 30% to make it 200% is me being silly.
0: Oh, I'm going to smell that in a second. But please know
1: that tonight the sections are abundant, beautiful, and pretty awesome. And we're going to kick off a whole format written up by my buddy. Can I say this? Yeah. Cut back in. Written up by my buddy Lewis. That's me. To improve the show because uh, uh, it's just been throwing cards in the air and you've been catching them. Now the cards have writing on them.
0: And I, I also thought to myself, it's... Now, not to date the podcast, but it is now 2018. <gasps> it is a new year. 20 years
1: from now, your jacket will be out of style.
0: I, I would hope 20 years from now, this would be the only jacket people are wearing. And then people will look back at me and be like, man, what a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He was blazing the trails before anyone else. That's Denim right. jackets for everyone. But no, um, I I thought to myself, let's mix it up a little bit. We had a break. I had plenty of time between our last suggestion for a movie and between our recording now that we could mix it up a little bit. Get rid of a section or two. Add a section or two. Streamline the whole thing. Just make theater cast that much better. For so it's going to be a little different.
1: And it's for you. We're going to make you so proud of us that you're going to want to send us money. Which you can do at a donate section of The Land Productions page.
0: Yeah. And if you don't want to do that, then you could even just, you know, leave us some nice comments or a good review or something.
1: Do that, please. We would love to get some input and we will give the output.
0: And if you want to send me fan mail, send me fan mail. Send us pictures of your denim jackets. Send us pictures of your denim jackets, please. I don't want to be the only one. Blazing a trail is a very lonely thing to do.
1: I should have broke mine out, and then you wouldn't feel so bad.
0: You have one? No. Oh, get get out of here. Okay. Come on, you shop at Goodwill. You should have, like, six. (laughs) It's true. I should. Well, hey,
1: it's time to kick off our show, and of course, we spoke of it already. We're going to talk about
0: the movie Arrival, which came out in... 2016. Let's kick this puppy off. Or was it 2017. It was. It was. It was November 2016.
1: Okay. Yeah, I screwed it up from the top,
0: didn't I? <laughs> no, I just get confused. It's 2018, isn't it? Aye. Oh my God! Time flies when you're doing other things, Paul. Why are we both getting old? Can we cut that out?
1: No. No. We just sound like the Beatles. I thought maybe. Oh, I think it's because of the time of year it is.
0: And we are talking about the movie Arrival. That movie came out in 2016, in November of 2016, to be more precise.
1: Would you consider this a Christmas-esque movie, one that they were so proud of to put out at Christmas season?
0: I would say that it is a holiday season movie, to Mm -hmm. say the least. It definitely came out at a time when a lot of people were thinking about the holiday blockbuster movies, and it for all intents and purposes can be considered a holiday blockbuster. That's good. I would say. I would think the the title alone
1: has to do with Christmas presents.
0: Oh, as in it arrived around the holidays. Exactly. Mm, maybe, but I think it has more to do with the arrival of aliens.
1: Oh, that's not Christmas.
0: No, not Christmas. That's Unless- Thanksgiving. Nobody has According to the Native Americans. <laughs> Nobody has yet to convince me that Santa Claus is not an alien. That's true. I mean, that dude's flying around on a flying sled. He's got presents to go. Slims down chimneys, even if you don't have one. Yeah. Ooh, he's on to something.
1: He's an alien. Oh, Santa Claus. He, he floats with glee with them reindeer.
0: He's part of the Santa Clausians from North Poleia. Yeah, the Clausians. North <laughs> 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 uh, A... Hey.
1: What's this movie about?
0: All right, let's talk about what this movie is about. You saw this movie. Mm-hmm. In fact, you were uh you were catching up on this movie today, weren't you? Yes. And I watched it uh again for probably the third time yesterday. A fourth time yesterday. You're a, you're a fan of this movie big time. I enjoyed it the first time I saw it. I saw the movie in theaters when it first came out. I enjoyed it then. And then when it came out on DVD, I saw it again. Mm -hmm. And then I purchased the movie.
1: Okay, so yes.
0: And then I watched it two more times. So yeah, that would be four times I've seen the movie.
1: I've seen it on Hulu. I respect the movie very, very much. I would love to own it. And I don't want to go into too much about how much I love it until we talk about it here. But uh, this is one of those movies that does not fall into any average alien movie that i've ever seen in my entire life
0: it doesn't there's a lot of um what they call first contact movies right where aliens come down freak out all the humans jodie foster shows up yeah the movie's about how we respond to the aliens showing up this is one of those movies but it's not uh it's not done in the typical way right it's not a military movie this isn't uh uh what was that movie where aliens came and Los Mars Angeles attacks. had to kill? Oh, Mars Attacks! Jack Nicholson's this is best work. Not Mars Attacks. Um, it's also not you know uh, defend L.A. or whatever. Oh, Battle Los Angeles. Yeah, that where was another. It was just you know a, a military movie where they. Wanted to fight aliens. This is not Independence Day, where the aliens came down and were like, "We're gonna kick your ass," and America was like, no! "Not if we kick your ass first Right? <laughs> yeah, none no, of that. It is not. This is aliens coming down peacefully, and then we are well. We're talking to them because this movie is actually a movie about communication. Very well said. It's not a movie about very well communicate a conflict that we have with an invading species. They aren't coming down here invading. These are, how would you say? I would call them Star Trekians. Very much so in the sense that they come down peacefully. I would say even more so, they come down like ambassadors. Very, yeah, very, very true,
1: because these these guys are like the head of the, the uh, battalions. No, I don't want to use the word battalion. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, let me retract that statement.
0: Oh I my god, I just went back in time. Sorry that about was that. weird. Sorry. Oh, and your jacket changed. No, it's not denim anymore. It's a hoodie. No, it's,
1: no it's co- but it's corduroy. <laughs> Did you know really quickly that they have corduroy pillows?
0: I have seen them. Yeah, they're making headlines. What? Why? Oh, ha. All right,
1: so more like uh, they sent some cool people from their their planet to this planet to take care of some business. Am I right, ladies?
0: Yes, they did, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> well, here's the thing. They send someone down, mm-hmm. but this movie does something which a lot of alien invasion movies don't do. They don't explain anything. No. Upfront especially. Eventually, things unravel and you learn more. But right at the beginning, you don't know anything. This is a thriller more than it is any other type of movie. You could say it's a sci-fi thriller. The director of the movie called it a dirty sci-fi movie. Oh, that's a weird name for it. A little bit, but it's basically a sci-fi movie that is... Not so much about the technology, it's not so much about the aliens as it is. There's a sci fi premise, and everything is all muddied up. Yeah, everything is kind of uh based on the way that we respond to this new uh, you know, sci fi threat, right? And the premise of the movie is really just that these aliens show up. How do we respond to it?
1: How do we discover
0: each other? How do we interact with them?
1: Do we offer them denim jackets?
0: We don't, but we do offer them a lot of things, and they don't know what we're talking about.
1: True, because there's a communication barrier.
0: And the communication barrier is the thing that becomes the premise of the movie. The main focus. The main focus of the movie. Do you guys
1: understand what we're telling you?
0: What we are telling you is that this movie is a linguist's wet dream.
1: Very cunning though. Very cunning linguist.
0: A very cunning linguist movie. Yes. Um the main character of the movie, Louise, is a linguist. Yes. She's also a professor at a college. This is I've uh I've watched a few documentaries uh, about linguistics which are very keen on telling you that there is a big difference between linguists and translators. Yeah, Translators, they know two languages and they can tell you what one thing is in one language when spoken in the first language. But a linguist understands all of the cultural background. They understand the anthropological background. They understand all of the things that go into making that language Not just simply telling you what one thing means in one language uh, as opposed to the other.
1: All the way down to the intricacies of um, raising your voice, lowering your voice, mood. Pitch. All of
0: that. Very early on, the main character, Louise, says she needs to be there. Uh, She's talking to the general when he's first saying, like, can you come help us? And she's like, I can't tell you based on an audio clip what they're saying. I need to be there. I need to see them. I need to see how they react. I need to hear them. I can't just, you know, listen to an audio clip and be like, oh, yeah, here's what the aliens from outer space are saying. Yeah, because that makes sense.
1: And I had trouble deciphering if she was just trying to get in on this whole thing because, wow, what an opportunity, or is this really her job? And the definition that she gave to what a linguist was was quite similar to what you just explained, and she explained the difference between the two, and that gave her much credibility, and it was well played out theatrically when she did that role.
0: I think just her enthusiasm and her straightforwardness spoke volumes to the fact that she was intrigued and that she was very much a professional and an intellectual. Yeah. She not only And it's
1: intrigued, Lewis.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Should I leave? She, she wanted, <laughs> she wanted the opportunity to do this out of a sense of curiosity and out of a sense of being able to expand her own knowledge.
1: And can you imagine the conversations at dinner parties after all
0: this? I don't think it was a mistake that she wanted to become a linguist. Yeah. She probably gets off on just like looking at people and hearing them speak and being like, I know what you actually meant. Yeah. (laughs) I heard what you said, but I know what you meant. Yeah. Yeah, buddy.
1: That's why she was single.
0: I assume she's been single forever, basically, (laughs) since high school. She might have had that one awkward boyfriend, but then that boyfriend dumped her, which never happens. Boys don't dump girls. I'm fairly certain that doesn't happen. Really? Yeah, no. But it happened to her, and she was like, wait, this isn't right. What did I do? Can you say something to me so I can interpret it, please?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs)
0: And he was like, I'm not playing your game anymore, woman. We will not play your games. So long story short, she's a professor. Four minutes into this movie, the Mm. aliens arrive. The actual arrival happens. Yes. She's teaching classes at this college, and all of a sudden everyone is distracted by text messages and TV reports, all this other stuff. And within 15 minutes of the movie, she's already been taken to this base camp. Swooped up by the important yeah, people
1: on the this planet. This
0: little impromptu uh, tent city at the base of this giant egg-shaped alien craft, which has just landed for no reason at all in Minnesota and 11 other sites around the world. Yeah,
1: and they and they looked like giant hard-boiled eggs that were made of granite. Yeah, big rock eggs. Uh, dark granite. Granite's more white than...
0: obsidian no not obsidian pumice maybe pumice stone yeah just very very dark stone it has a lot of texture to it even though it's supposed to be an alien spaceship which you usually think of as being you know very sleek
1: you could have very smooth feet rubbing your feet on these pumice alien ships
0: these alien ships may have actually been pumice stones for a much larger alien species Mm -hmm. exfoliate my friends go on you could exfoliate a planet with these things True. But, anyways, 12 of them land around the world. One in uh, Montana, I believe. Right. And. Uh,
1: Honey, come look here. I've seen it. I've seen it. And the eggs are up in the sky right now. I've seen it right there.
0: This is sorry. Minnesota, not Tennessee. Oh, Minnesota. I'm sorry. Where did you think Minnesota was? I thought you Have said Montana. Have you seen Montana. a map recently? I'm so- <laughs> Minnesota. Minnesota
1: is more like, oh, yeah, there they are. They're up there again with the eggs and this kind
0: Yeah, cottage. they go up there and they're like, they came for our cheese <laughs> or our potatoes.
1: They come for our cheese and potatoes, Maud. Close the door.
0: They come down in a very non threatening way. Yes. That's the first thing that you notice. Uh, the only threatening thing that happens is the human reaction to their arrival is looting. Panic, The usual. Military presence, of course. Yeah. Uh, like I said, that, that little tent city, well, tent town, uh, you know, pops up just, you know, a few hundred meters away from where this egg-shaped spaceship just hovers above the ground.
1: Because they're special people and they want to go up with them.
0: Well, they, they probably want to make sure the aliens aren't coming here to just, you know... Uh, Independence Day us, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have enough examples of you know aliens uh, coming down here to mess us up in our movies that they're not taking any chances. And that's their upbringing, and they're used to that. So. Sure, um, but then you know they get Luis. They also get this other guy, Ian. He's a physicist. And they're going to be the two lead team members who are going to literally go up in this spaceship. They don't explain how they figure out that they're supposed to go up in the spaceship. But as soon as they go up there, it just seems very obvious. They're supposed to go up in the spaceship. They haven't attacked. They open up this door. And they might as well just throw this giant, you know, 12-foot by 12-foot welcome mat down on the ground and be like, come on in, guys. Hey, how's it going, humans? You know, come on up. And they do. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance to that first entrance into it. They discover the spaceship is able to, you know, uh, manipulate physics. Yeah, because when they first go up, uh, gravity suddenly shifts about wonderful ninety job degrees. Too, in the writing, it, it, it's a wonderful job they do. I, I found out later that physics wasn't supposed to be manipulated in that way, yeah. but they realized that once they designed the alien ships to be super long eggs, yeah, that it would be ridiculous for. People to travel up into an egg and then have to go against gravity all the way up into the main chamber of the egg. So they were like, well, fix well what this. if gravity changes? Right. Makes oh, it easy. brilliant. Then they can just walk that, you know, without having to f- yeah, float 300 or meters push. or whatever right. into the main chamber. God. Gone.
1: I had a Logie stuck in there for a minute.
0: So yeah, they do this cool thing where uh, you know physics change within the egg. Gravity shifts 100 or uh, you know 90 degrees. They can suddenly walk on the walls. Uh, up becomes their uh, horizontal, and it, great
1: it's great camera job too. On that, a lot of Freaked great me camera right jobs.
0: A There's a bunch of rotation. Rotating camera shots, and when they first enter the chamber, they're actually walking on what appears to be the ceiling just to show the type of first entry disorientation that goes into it. Yeah, bunch of brilliant shots in that first entry scene.
1: I wish I was in the theater to see that and not here on Hulu the first time because, yeah, that was amazing. That would have been nice on the big
0: screen. Goes on a bit long for my liking, though. Oh. Just saying, Uh, they probably could have done that whole thing in about a minute, but it seems to go on for like three minutes, showing off a little bit. Little bit, yeah,
1: filling up the time so they get a little bit more pocket change,
0: possibly, Hmm. maybe just.
1: uh, I'm sending an email, scathing.
0: (laughs) Do it up. Maybe I'll get a response. Hopefully, yeah. Long story short, they they make Or the two main characters of um. Ian the physicist and uh Louise Louise the <coughs> I know how I remember it cuz it sounds like your name. Oh, yeah, I guess. I don't relate to her for that reason at all. <laughs> but yeah. So Louise the linguist and Ian the physicist, mm-hmm. they are our main protagonists. They are also scientists which isn't a thing that's done very much in movies you don't see scientists be the main characters unless they're like an indiana jones type like oh you're a scientist but also you know how to shoot guns and jump gaps and diffuse bombs they don't know how to do any of that they use their actual professions to communicate with these aliens And the next big chunk of the movie is just that. See how it's done. They eventually communicate with the aliens. There's a lot of times in a movie where the smart guy, the scientist, will say something really complicated Mm -hmm. that 10% of the viewers or listeners or whatever will understand. And then another character will say, hey, what the hell does that mean? Or... Uh, you know, explain that in English.
1: Yeah, layman's, please.
0: Yeah, layman's terms, please. And then they'll give like the stupidest, simplest example. This movie only does that like once or twice. And it's a movie about deciphering an alien language and discovering their purpose on the planet. So for them to have only done it once or twice is a great filmmaking feat.
1: You have to pay attention, but at the same time, they are communicating the communication skills in the scientific way very well. Yes, they are. And, and that's, it's a communicative movie about communicating in a communicative manner.
0: Lots of communication. Talk. Yes. I think it, it, it plays to the idea that you need patience. And you need to be able to communicate with one another. Right. And you need to be able to communicate with the aliens. Mm -hmm. And you need to not only understand the aliens, but yourselves. And you also need to understand the situation. And never give up. And you need to not be an asshat. (laughs) Asshat. Oh, you know.
1: What is an asshat? Communicate that.
0: Oh ha uh, you know that one guy who's not quite military he's also not quite a scientist and he's just kind of there as a representative to the government
1: and he kept throwing fits on forget what screen. his
0: character's name is but he constantly was like just being a naysayer to everything so like an ass hat very much like an ass hat that's an ass hat that's an asshat. he was mm. the one who was constantly saying like um Oh, you said uh, you said that they said hi. Well, maybe they meant they want to bomb us all the hell. Oh, <laughs> <That> god! <line. laughs> calm down. You know what? Go in the corner. Go in the corner with that other guy. Yeah, the one that said that maybe they want to poison us with anthrax. Yeah, go yeah. in the corner with that guy.
1: Play jacks and don't come out until one of you loses.
0: It was. It was. He was. He was definitely uh, an antagonist in this story because the aliens are for. All, They're the ones that came down. They're the ones that started this. Yeah. They They came down and they just were like, hey, we're here. Hope you don't freak out too much. So you would think they would be the antagonists, but they're not the antagonists. They're more like the plot device and all of the other nations of the planet and all of the people surrounding these very logical-thinking scientists, they're actually the antagonists. They're the ones that want to launch the nukes and yeah. cut off the other countries and, and burrow down into the ground and live in bunkers.
1: And as time goes on in the movie, you realize that you know, America itself is not the only one sending scientists into their...
0: The 12 locations were very well spread around the, the world. Right. And Although the- I did find it kind of interesting that Russia got two of them.
1: Yeah, that's to keep them from being pissed.
0: It was on completely opposite sides of Russia, but they still got two of them. That's not fair. Not they fair. They always get two of them. And it didn't. It seemed like they were doing nothing but following in the movie anyway. Yeah, it seemed like the two main uh, uh, powers in this movie were the United States and China. China, very much a sign of our times. Yeah. If you're listening to this, ten years in the future to an archived episode of Theatercast.
1: We hope Zhungong Phil lets you listen to it.
0: And first of all, thank you.
1: That's yeah. awesome. Thanks for listening.
0: Definitely. Um but also at this point in history, the two main superpowers in the world that everyone's kinda watching and following, listening to the United States and China. Um so yeah. It kind of makes sense that they were chosen as the two main driving countries in this. You never hear about, uh, what was one of the other countries, Sierra Leone?
1: Sierra Leone, um, yeah. some of the African countries that they just wanted. There
0: was an African country. Uh, Australia. Australia, they, they talked to them a little bit. Gave them a lot of shrimp and Barbies. But also, Australia uh, kind of dropped the ball uh, like twice Yeah, in their communications. At one point, they were like, Oy! We tried algebra with them; they didn't respond. So we're moving on. What you tried math with them, and it didn't work, and so you're gonna try something else. And that would have been mean?
1: If, <laughs> if that was to really be the answer. That would have been so cheesy.
0: Maybe they just didn't understand what the hell you were saying in the first yeah. place. Not they didn't understand algebra. They probably understood it and thought, <laughs> I, I just, whatever that is, an alien talk. <laughs> I just find it absurd. They didn't travel across the cosmos in a giant egg and, you know, visit us to try to teach us a language just to be like, algebra, what's that? I don't know. I just got my parents' car and started driving. They're from California. Uh, they're just teenagers. Is what it turns out to be. It's it's just a fraternity of teenagers. Like, hey, guys, I found another planet. Let's go down there and mess with them, huh? Dude, I'm totally That's on board with that. That's what we're gonna do on spring break. Let's like communicate. We go down there. You know what, guys? I got an idea. Let's show them circles. They'll freak out for like weeks. Let's screw up the crops. <laughs> Remember a couple of years ago when we went and we made all those circles in their crops? Let's go back and just show them circles. They're going to freak yeah, out.
1: Don't think that they're, like, special. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: no, they're really not. Alien frat guys. It, and here's the thing. Yes. They do eventually decipher the language. They do decipher the language. And it's- well, specifically, she deciphers the language because everyone else makes a lot of progress on the language, but she has the actual revelation after a bunch of setbacks, both from the military restricting her, but also just people refusing to believe what she's telling them, yeah, or just resisting in general from the public who's been constantly freaking out as you can see lots of news reports all that other kind of stuff and everybody's getting impatient all the countries all the other countries but are getting she does really figure it out it.
1: yeah and I, I think they give that to her
0: we we need to we need to put some kind of warning right here can you make like a sound effect um like a siren um, <laughs> something like that because there's about to be a big ass spoiler alert right now War. She figures out what the language is. And the language is not just a language. No. But it is a way to perceive time. That is very the language true. allows her to perceive time in a nonlinear way. She can actually perceive things in the future and in her present from the point when she learned the language as if they are all happening at the same time and this is the device which eventually allows her to diffuse the situation which is brewing to an almost apocalyptic manner Thanks, between China. all of the different places which have these yeah. alien ships.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. the. Do you think that when the aliens came down, they knew what was going to happen before anything happened?
0: I think that they did, and I think that they just accepted it. Yeah. Because there was a point in the movie where once she realizes that she can perceive time and all of the events which have been occurring in her mind.
1: A family?
0: A, a family which doesn't exist yet. Right. A tragedy in her family which hasn't happened yet. Right. And all of these events which occur after the resolution that is the the climax of this movie Once she realizes all those things happen, she comes to the uh, realization that not only shouldn't she change it, but she really can't because it's only a perception of time. It's not an interactive. It's not a traveling through time. Right. It is just a viewing of all of time as it is and the thing that she says which eventually diffuses the situation between all of the countries and all that it not only already happened but it was always going to happen and there's a huge subplot guys if you are Haunting. emotional at all oh boy um you okay, bring Lewis? bring
1: some tissues louis don't cry
0: I'm not gonna cry man
1: Don't do that I'm not
0: gonna do it Your
1: denim's gonna like, get wet
0: I don't wanna make stains on my denim But guys Hold it in She has this whole Memory of a life with a child And a husband That she constantly Flashes back to Yeah she constantly- Except it's not flashbacks They're flash forwards And you don't realize it Until most of the way through the movie and once you do, you might cry, too. Oh, gosh. It's going to it. happen. <laughs> just watch the movie. Just just watch the movie, damn I it. can't go on with this, here. You said so much stuff. It was so sweet. And I can't hold on to myself back from crying out because it was so... So that's what the movie's about. Yeah, watch it. Aliens Come to Earth. A linguist deciphers their language, discovers that it has the ability to let her perceive time in a very special way. Yep. And she uses that to basically unify the world. And it it works. It does work.
1: In a beautiful way. And it makes you wish that we had that now.
0: And there's several points in the movie in which there are things that are said. All right, so Kevin, we get a basic idea about what this movie is about. An alien arrival, the deciphering of a language, the perception of the human mind, yes. all of that great stuff. But why don't you tell us a few facts about how this movie was actually made. And why don't you start off with who made this movie? This movie was made
1: by none other than the French-Canadian director and writer, Denis Vung.
0: I think it's pronounced uh, Denis Villeneuve, or something along those lines, or Villeneuve. It might be that.
1: Well, he's a villain because it's it's one hell of a movie. So if
0: you if you know how to do French accents, just pronounce the name or Denis uh, Villeneuve uh, in French. Just do that. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah. Uh, Vanilla Nueve, we'll call it that Sure Like, it almost sounds like, a, like an ice cream flavor It does,
1: it sounds like a, a white wrapper
0: Yeah Dennis Vanilla Nueve <laughs> <laughs> Which is the number seven,
1: right? I, I don't know what it is In Spanish He's a French-Canadian director and writer And he was born in 1967 And do you know what films he was known for?
0: Uh, the first one that I can think of is Sicario in 2015. You know what the second one I think
1: is? I don't know. Tell me. I would think that would be Prisoners in 2013.
0: Great. Oh, point. I remember that one. It had uh, Hugh Jackman in it. Yeah, it did have a Hugh Jackman in it. It did. Oh, what? here's one of my favorites. What's I'm going to talk about this one later. Uh, well, more like rant about it. Blade Runner 2049, 2017 movie that just came out not that long ago. Isn't that freaky how we
1: interact with uh, a lot of things and all of a sudden it all matches Because we
0: just did Blade Runner. And we just did it. And this is the guy who directed the remake, or not the remake, the sequel. The sequel to it. Yeah, basically the the 30-year-in-the-making sequel of Blade Runner.
1: Which is amazing. I can't wait to see it. I haven't. You have. I have seen it. I have a feeling it'll show up on our list one day. It's gonna. This was. I'll let you do the writing because I'm about to burp, but hold
0: on. Uh, he was born when I was born. Go for it. Who wrote this film? This movie was written by Eric Heiserer, I want to say, or Heiserer. Uh, he's Heisser-er. a dude born in uh, 1970. My birthday. Uh, in America. He's a writer producer. Uh, he wrote for this movie as well as hours in 2013 final destination five which was probably one of the better final destination movies if you don't count the first i've got it and uh favorites he also uh wrote a nightmare on elm street that was the 2010 version yeah that yeah but
1: the writing was very good for that film but uh the reason i don't like it is michael bay should not be touching any films that were ever made previously
0: he should not be remaking movies. Is that he, what you're should, saying?
1: he shouldn't be making movies, period. Oh.
0: All right. Well that's your opinion. Yeah, I'm finished after
1: Armageddon. He should have just taken a break for quite a while.
0: Ooh, I did like Armageddon. I watched that one. Not that I long like ago. that
1: one too. But otherwise, uh no. I'm sick of him.
0: I just like when they're singing. I'm leaving on a jet plane. Boom. I love that <laughs> scene. It was so touching. It was. That was another one that made me want to cry. I'm starting to think I'm a little bit of a bitch when I watch movies. <laughs> well, Liv Tyler
1: and and Amy Adams can make you turn into a bitch because they are.
0: <whistles> oh, no, they can. Yeah, I'm going to drop more tears on future movies. I'm sure.
1: <laughs> what about uh, the the story of your life written by Ted Chang? Oh
0: yeah, that was the uh, novella. Uh, Ted Chang wrote a novella called "Story of Your Life." It's I basically this story. Although they modified it greatly okay. and obviously added a bunch to it uh, to make it into this movie, including a lot of you know conceptual art because it was a no- novella, so it yeah. wasn't a screenplay or anything like that.
1: I always thought novella was like a hazelnut spread you put on.
0: It's like when someone wants to write a novel, yeah, but they're just too lazy to write an actual novel. So, they just write a pamphlet of a novel? It's like a storyline. That's a novella. A cliff note. Yeah. If you will. A shortened novel. But no, you know what? I can't even say that because uh, who was it? Kurt Vonnegut wrote so many novellas. He wrote tons of them. I think he wrote more novellas than he actually wrote actual full novels. Wow. And so many of them were turned into a Scanner Darkly novella. Ah. Yeah. Um,. Well, he also wrote. Oh man, I'm I'm gonna blank out now. But I know that there were several movies made within the last ten to fifteen years that were just short stories written by him. And that's
1: it. That's pretty amazing, though. That. Uh,
0: so every once in a while, if you write a really compelling, you know, thirty to eighty-page, page, you know, little thing, sell it. it. Sell it. Sell the rights. Do it. What about this with uh, Scarlett Johansson's uh, brother who did the soundtrack? I don't know about Scarlett Johansson, but this dude sure does have a lot of J's and H's in his name. I ain't pronouncing that. I think there's three letters that (laughs) comprise his whole first and last name. Let's see. It's J, H, and N. It's Johan Johansson. Johan Johansson.
1: That's exactly the way that uh, Lawrence Welk would have said it. Johan Johansson. Johan Johansson. <laughs> Born in 1969 in Iceland. Famous for this movie, along with Cesario, which is about a pizza.
0: It's a Sicilian pizza. Yes, yeah.
1: yeah. And the Theory of Everything from 2014. That I am not familiar with.
0: He sc- he scored a few more things okay. as well. But um, it does seem like in like the last five to ten years, a lot of his movie scores, soundtracks, and music offerings did kind of align with the same studio and with this particular director.
1: I did like this music very much.
0: Oh, this the music in this was great. And I th- felt that it was very similar to music that I'm going to get into a little bit later. Okay. Moving on, though. Hey, who
1: stars in this movie?
0: You take the first one. No. Tell me who the main star of this movie was.
1: Good old Amy Adams. Oh,
0: I loved her. She I was great. I love her,
1: period, in anything. Uh, she was born in 1974. She's just a baby.
0: Well, I mean... To me. Okay, to you, yes. She's only three years younger than me. Four years younger than me. Four years younger than you? Yeah. Oh, well, she might as well be an infant. She was born in Italy and came to America because of her American parents. I believe their parents, or at least her father, was a serviceman. Really? And that's why they were born in Italy. Yeah. So she has, like... um, She has American citizenship and all that. I think it was kind of guaranteed to her under, I don't know, someone probably wrote a bill at some point, which says that when a serviceman has a child overseas, they they, they still, you know, they're like, they're American still.
1: She is a beautiful
0: lady. She has been in tons of great movies. And TV shows. What TV shows was she in? Oh, God, a a bunch, especially early on in her career. She started out mostly in TV shows.
1: I'm stupid. I did not know that.
0: Uh, Well, you know, she was in a bunch. Um, I'll tell you right now, though, if anyone's listening to this around the time when it's released, you probably recognize her as Lois Lane. Yeah. In the most recent Batman movie uh, uh, um, reincarnation, or what do you want to call it? Reboot? I would call it... um, Batman or Superman reboots, for that matter.
1: Yeah, um, I would call it a collaboration of DC Comics.
0: Well, read them off, why don't you? I sure will. She played Lois Lane in Man of Steel in
1: 2013, then Batman vs. Superman, Donna Justice in 2016, and Justice League, which is 2017. When did Justice
0: League come out? I don't think it has yet, has it? It just came out around uh, sometime in December. Yeah, it's out now, I think, still.
1: Goodness, that got shut down by Star Wars in a heartbeat because I haven't seen a commercial yet. Sure did. And a little movie called Big
0: Eyes playing Margaret Keene. That's a very kitschy movie. I would suggest anyone who just has a night when they just want to watch a movie, check it out. It's never cute it. uh, while also being a little bit creepy. I like creepy. Cute and creepy. How can you go wrong? Julie and Julia. Is that the one with... Um, uh, oh, I'm going to cook uh, for the things with the pan and the make a food in the Julia... Okay, I'm just going to say it's based on a book, and that's it. If you don't know what it is, you probably won't enjoy it, so don't bother.
1: Is that uh, the Cooking Julia? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've seen that movie, and she did do
0: a good job with that. Oh, all right. There you go. <laughs>
1: she was on the uh, TV series The Office from 2005 to 2006. I remember yeah, she played, now. she
0: played Katie. She yeah. played Katie. I, I didn't even think of that. She had a bunch of other parts, too. I'll say she has
1: other parts. Hey, oh, hey! tell me a little bit about this Jeremy Renner folk. All
0: right, Jeremy Renner. He was born in 1971 in the United States. He's a good and guy. And he plays uh, the physicist Ian Donnelly in this movie. Ooh. He's like, I guess you would say he's the second, uh, second banana to Amy's character. Uh, what would he, ca- Amy's character be? She, oh, she would be first banana. Okay. Yeah. He's second banana. She's first banana. And everyone else is just like rotten bananas.
1: I would think she'd be more of an avocado.
0: No, she's definitely like a nice, solid, yellow banana. Yep. 100%. All right. She drives this movie. I mean, she is the performance in this movie. That is very true. At every point, in the flashbacks, in in the moments, uh, the interactions with the aliens, she runs this movie. But Jeremy Renner in a refreshing role, thank goodness, plays Ian Donnelly. He is the physicist who is her like scientific counterpart in this movie.
1: And Jeremy Renner, um, you'll mention the movies that he's in in a, a moment, but every one of these movies that you're about to mention uh, are all pretty much in the same realm. So forget what I'm about to say. Now I'll change
0: it. Um, if, well, I'll tell you this. I used to have a science teacher named Mr. Donnelly. My eighth grade science teacher oh, was yeah. named Mr. Donnelly. Yeah. I don't know what his first name was, but I kind of want to look it up. Because if his first name was Ian, <laughs> that i have some awesome. emails to send. <laughs> and I hope he's still alive. And he saw the movie. <laughs> All right. So but- Jeremy Renner, he's known for playing uh, such characters as... Hawkeye, aka Clint Barton, I in love. The Avengers 2012. He's also known as playing Hawkeye, aka Clint Barton, in The Avengers Age of Ultron 2015. Yeah. He's also known as playing Hawkeye, aka Clint Barton, in Avengers Infinity War 2018. He's also known as playing Hawkeye, aka Clint Barton, in Thor 2011. Oh, but also he's known as playing. Hawkeye Clint Barton in Captain America Civil War 2016.
1: I'm glad you said AKA because I really thought it was Hawkeye Aka Clint Barton.
0: He's also got some other parts, like some dude named William in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Every character that he plays, though, is different. You know what? They're a little bit uh, more grizzled, I think, as the years go on, just slightly.
1: but, But his character in Rogue Nation was much different than what he just did in Arrival. And those are much different than what, when he's playing Clint, because when he's playing Clint, that's a different character. If you're paying
0: really close attention in Arrival yeah. and Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, he doesn't use a bow and arrow.
1: I don't know if I saw that, but I'll have to watch him again.
0: Okay, pay close attention and you'll notice the distinct lack of a bow and arrow.
1: I will. I'll, I'll see if it's there.
0: I also have a tiny um, little bit of trivia here. When I was looking through uh, their filmography, both on Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Amy Adams was in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in 2000. What? And Jeremy Renner was in an episode of the TV series Angel, which is a spinoff of <gasps> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, also in the year 2000. I don't know if this means that they ever met at any point in time. And I didn't go deep enough into research to see, like, exactly when and in what episodes and when they aired. But I just found that to be a nice little neat connection from, at this point, 17 years ago, 16 or 17 years ago, that they both were working on basically the same intellectual property at the same time.
1: That's like your, again, we have to go back to your denim jacket 20 years ago.
0: (gasps) I'm bringing it back, baby!
1: That's what they said when they said hey look at this cast all
0: right tell me about a third banana
1: third banana would be forrest whitaker he was born in 1961 in the u.s and known for this movie as well as southpaw in 2015 i know him from rogue one
0: he had a part in rogue one but it was such a minor role i remember seeing him like two or three times in the trailer and thinking that he was going to play such same an important here. role in the movie. And he was in there for like four minutes.
1: That is sad, but I tell you what, it was a great character. And he. there is a certain thing about Forrest Whitaker that he does in every film. It's like a certain look. It's like what you get from Cuba Gooding Jr. It's that same stiff. It, he has a stiff lip, Cuba does. And whenever he's acting, he has to put that stiff lip up and goes, I'm not doing it!
0: yeah you know what you're right uh defiance yeah he always has a defiant look and i guess he was actually playing literally a rebel in that movie so having that stiff defiant lip was kind of his character's thing.
1: And, but he he did it well. It wasn't the same old Forrest Whitaker. It was like,
0: I'm looking at a whole new actor. The performance was great. Yeah, I guess my really argument was. is not against Forrest Whitaker. It was against his uh, over-portrayal in the previews that we got for that yeah. movie. I thought he was going to be a major character. And they should have given him more. Cause... in a brief moment at the beginning of that movie, uh, and then a little bit later in the movie. Three and minutes then in the mid. Uh, spoiler alert. Died. He what? Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't see it. Did he, he, have got, a, he got he done got blown up. Did he have a bow and arrow? No, he didn't have a bow and arrow. He had uh, uh, tubes coming out of his head or something. Did I that know.
1: lip stem break off?
0: All I know is um, he was half robot, uh, half breathing uh, He didn't breathing say half robot. Nope. Uh, he wheezed a little. Yeah. And then he walked up and was like, yeah, I think I'm about ready to die now. And he died.
1: Took it like a man.
0: Yep. That's all paraphrasing, by the way. Shorthand. <laughs> <coughs> uh, um, let's mention this too, though, because Forrest Whitaker has been an actor that's been around for like uh, quite a while. And longer than a good I've been actor living. In several different roles. Yeah. Many of which are supporting roles and many of which are leading roles. But he got an Academy Award uh, in Lee Daniels' The Butler. When he played Cecil Gaines, yeah, and he's been in like a million other things.
1: It's true. He did. Uh, um, he played Tick Willis in the last, uh, the last King to Scotland in two thousand six.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. That's the one that he got the Academy Award with. In well,
1: he also got an Academy Award for the Butler, didn't he? Butler was getting awards. I'm not sure. He room. might
0: have gotten a nomination for that one, I th- but he oh. definitely got an actual Academy Award win in The Last King of Scotland in 2006. Oh, Definitely and, got that and one. And he didn't play
1: Tick Willis. It was Tick Willis was in Southpaw because I can't read.
0: Yeah, it's all good. He's all right. played so many roles at this point. Um, he's Forrest Whitaker in that movie that Forrest Whitaker was in. I saw that. Yeah. The Juicy one with
1: Forrest Whitaker.
0: Yeah, Forrest Whitaker, the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that one. Hey, why don't you do me a favor? I could probably do that. Give me some numbers. All right. I'm just going to read this off because this needs no pomp and circumstance. These are just the numbers that go along with this movie. Okay. All right. It cost $47 million to make. It reached $9.4 million on opening day. Mm-hmm. $24.1 opening weekend. Wow. It grossed $100.5 million in the US and Canada and $102.8 million in the foreign box office. That's $203.4 million total, more than quadrupling its cost. Beautiful. Filming took 56 days starting on June 7th, 2015. It premiered at the Venice Film Festival on September 1st in 2016, and it was released in theaters on November 11th, 2016. It's 116 minutes long, little under two hours. So those are the numbers that have to do with this movie. It quadrupled its cost, so it made its money back. Yes, it did. Plus, you know, that doesn't even count DVD sales, uh, rentals from Amazon, all that other stuff. This is purely box office movies. That kind of stuff. It is going to make more money through the lifetime of this movie. Hopefully more money because we are telling you to go and watch it.
1: They also get uh, kickback from the pumice eggs that you buy for
0: your feet. And it's also going to get kickback because I'm going to tell you, you should not just watch it once. No. This is actually one of those rare times when I say that you should watch this movie twice. Yeah. It's one of those movies where the first time you watch it, you are going to be... It, it it has a twist it has something that you don't necessarily see coming i saw this movie and i did not see the twist coming not until just before it was you know implicitly said right before that i got it
1: should we mention that whereas
0: normally i get it a little bit ahead of time
1: yeah it's this one sneaks up on you big time it
0: does it sneaks up on you And then it seemed so obvious that you kind of have to go back and watch the movie a second time. And I would strongly recommend that you do. Watch the movie twice. Not necessarily even back-to-back. Watch it once. Digest it. Go to work. Have a meal. Go to sleep. Do whatever it is that you do. And then watch it a few days in the future and truly appreciate it with the foreknowledge that you've gained from watching it the first time you will really enjoy this movie the second time you'll thank him I don't know about a third time I watched it four times but that's only because I'm going to do a podcast on it so that's why I I watched it four times should
1: they be wearing denim when they watch the show
0: only if you're cold good yeah okay or want to look cool while no one's around like I usually do
1: Yeah. yeah that freaked me out Mm-hmm. The door just opened on the fridge.
0: Dude, your your freezer door just opened. <laughs> <laughs> that freaked me out.
1: So I have a question. I
0: probably have an answer. What would you have done different in this film? I enjoyed this movie very much the way that it was told. There aren't a lot of movies which can tell a story that is so out of... Well, I don't want to keep on using the term nonlinear, but it really is nonlinear.
1: That's the whole point of the film. One of
0: the first scenes in the movie is something that you think is a flashback. It's something you think is the main character of Louise remembering something from her past, which is going to influence the way that she makes decisions in the future. And it's not until later in the movie that you realize that these aren't flashbacks, but they are actually glimpses into the future brought on by her increasing knowledge of this alien language. And I feel like that was done well enough that early in the movie, you want it to be told differently. But then once the movie is complete, you're like, I don't see how it can be done. Otherwise any other way, I can only see things being added to it. And I maybe would have wanted to see another perspective. Maybe you could have brought a little bit more of Ian's perspective into the movie. Yeah. He because was... he does seem integral, especially once you realize his role in Luis's life. Maybe you could have brought some of his you know, perspective into it. Do
1: you think that the uh, romantic part of the, of the film would have been so heartful and touching if he was more integral in the film? Because I don't think so.
0: I feel like there isn't even a romantic part in this movie because it all seems like heartbreak and heartache. It all seems like she's trying to get over a relationship which doesn't exist while simultaneously telling you that they are literally falling in love while you're watching the current events of the movie. It's very confusing in that way. Yeah, I would not even say bipolar. It's just polar. Yeah. And I would I want a little bit more from just someone else's perspective.
1: So another,
0: specifically his, but it could also even be from any other one of the landing sites. Maybe General Shang because we do get a little bit into his emotions almost more than we do Ian's. He was one of the Chinese. Yep, he was one of the Chinese. He was uh where did they land? I don't even remember. Shang or something, wherever it landed and he was in control of that site, we learn more about his emotional investment in uh, the future and the past than we do even Ian's. We don't learn anything personal about him except for his connection to Louise. And I feel like we need more than singularly her interaction with her past, her future, her present. I kind of feel like the movie can very easily be left alone at the same time. So if I had to change anything, I would just want to add just a little bit more of someone else's stakes in the game.
1: Forrest Whitaker could have filled that.
0: Even Forrest Whitaker, anyone. Not that captain, though. Not the dickhead that put the bomb out there. <laughs> Definitely not him. <laughs> no. He was good the way he was. His wife was freaking out, kind of pressured him into doing something brave. It was, that was done well enough. But someone else that has an emotional or at, or at least significant investment in this whole thing, I would have liked to see their perspective just a little bit more. How about you? What would you like I, to see done different?
1: I don't think I would change anything, like you said. Uh, the possibility of just not changing anything and uh i couldn't change anything in it because of the work that was done teaching you the communication that they had they did such a good job of of the way that the aliens communicated by ink blots you know what i mean and wow.
0: the way they communicated the style of their writing the, the writing and the way that
1: they they all they never had to worry about a pen
0: they never had to worry about a pen they also were very scary creatures that there were very visceral responses to the creatures at first, but they very quickly became comfortable around them immediately. The, the, the freaking out of the public was due mostly because uh, people are stupid. It was due entirely. Well, also, They had no information about what was going on. So, and they they were were already
1: stupid, and they were even more stupid.
0: There was one particular scene in which they said, uh, leaked footage of the heptapods, or uh, a leaked photo of the heptapods, and they showed the heptapod. That's all the public was getting. You and me, non-linguists, you know, schmoes doing podcasts like we are right now? Yeah. That's what we would know. She got in 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 contact in person interaction with those heptopods she can be comfortable with them she can learn from them and interact with them all we would see was this 7-footed 19-foot tall monster in a cloud of smoke with yeah, tentacle feet of course we're going to freak out That's all we saw. And that was like a month into these things having been landed in Montana and and Shanghai or wherever the hell. So I I would want to see just anyone else's response because she took it super coolly. And Ian, he kind of followed suit and was like, I'm going to do what she's going to do.
1: Because that's going to work.
0: I want to see just anyone else's personal response to it. And... If if not that, then yeah, just leave the leave it alone, leave the movie alone. Yeah, just let it be. Ladies. I hope you were paying attention when you uh, when you watched this movie.
1: Because I was doing pretty well. And ladies and gentlemen, we're about to be triviated.
0: We are about to be trivialized. No, that's not right. <sighs> Tri- well, regardless, this is the section of the movie where the person that chose the movie quizzes the person that did not choose the movie. With five questions. How trivial! And then I'm going to give you points at the end. You get one point for every correct answer, and you don't get any points for a wrong one. So do your best. Also, I made these hard. Oh. Really hard. Do I get a cookie? Um, I mean, if you want to bake cookies, you can have all the cookies you want. Thank but you. I don't have any. So all right,
1: that's all right.
0: Question one. Where did director? <clears throat> oh boy. Pronounced this n- correctly. Denis Villeneuve. <clears throat> yep. Get the idea for the design of the alien ship. A. Oh, and these are all multiple choice, by Thank the way. God. Yes. A. He noticed the curved crescent shape of his large toenail clipping and was inspired to give the ship the same organic shape. You made that up. B. He was inspired by an asteroid named 15 Eunomia, which has a similar shape and he thought both are menacing things from space. Hmm. C, his assistant, was taking out her contact lenses, and when he saw the shape of them, he thought designing the ship after something that helps humans see would be poetic. C. C? You think it's C? I think it's C. You think uh, he saw someone's contact lenses and thought that it would be a poetic thing? I think so. Okay,
1: incorrect. Think B, isn't it? It's B. Yeah, I, th- I had B in my head.
0: He did. He was doing a lot of research on like how he should make the ship look, and he found he happened to find an asteroid that had a big old dimple in it. He was like, oh, "I can make this kind of like egg shape with a dimple in it. That seems somewhat menacing." <laughs> and so he decided to make it like that.
1: A was good job on your end.
0: A lot of these are going to have one that's obviously not right, so it's kind of going to be 50-50. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) A logogram is a single written character that represents a word or phrase. The written circle language of the heptapods in Arrival is an example of this. Which of the following languages is not an example of logography? Which is logograms okay so again a logogram is a single written character which represents a whole word or phrase right japanese kanji a Mm -hmm. b egyptian demotic or c arabic c c arabic yes egyptian demotic by the way is uh like hieroglyphs
1: right okay i figured pictures on the wall
0: all right you're correct Ah! C is actually an alphabet.
1: I thought that Arabic was done almost similar to, because most of our, some of our words come from...
0: Arabic is a language that uh, relies on phonemes, which are characters which represent sounds and make up whole words. So multiple characters in Arabic make up whole words instead of a single character, such as in hieroglyphs or in Japanese kanji. Ah. Question three. One for one. The director, Denis Villanana, and screenwriter Eric Heisserer, created a functional alien language dictionary for the movie that had over 100 actual symbols. How many of these symbols were used in the movie? A, 41. B, 71. Or C, one hundred and one.
1: I'm gonna go with C a hundred and one.
0: So they made over a hundred and you think they used about a hundred and one?
1: I'm gonna take back my answer C. B seventy one. No.
0: A forty one? I'm gonna say B. 71. Oh my goodness. Alright, well choose to make up your mind, buddy. C. Okay, C one hundred and one. Is that your final answer? No, oh, it is man. definitely B. Okay, seventy. We're gonna go with B, which was seventy one. They all end in one. Oh, I that's did that true. on purpose to be confusing, which apparently I very much confused you. <laughs> I don't want to do this. You're correct. It's B. <laughs> all right. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Two for one. I'm doing. Yeah. Three. So apparently they they made over a hundred and they used. Most of those. They did use most of them. I, I guess I saw they used about half, so they must have created about 120. Wow. It only ever said they made over 100, but I saw multiple sources stating that they used about half, and I saw a lot stating specifically that 71 symbols show up in the movie.
1: It's pretty damn cool, the guy who was in charge of that puppy. Uh,
0: I They uh, consulted several artists but it was mainly the screenwriter and the director that created this That's language. Awesome. Very yeah. awesome. Question four. All right. In the scene where Louise writes the question on the whiteboard, there is a long equation above it that Ian doesn't want her to erase. Okay. What is this equation? Do you remember the scene? Do you remember? Vaguely. Yeah. Uh, the, the general is like, you know, given her grief, she writes a sentence, uh, What is your purpose on Earth? Yeah. On the whiteboard. I I think that's what it said, or why are you on Earth, or something along those lines. And she's erasing the whiteboard, and Ian goes, oh, not the top part. And then they show the whiteboard, and there's just this, this jumble of equation on the top there. Yeah. And then she writes her sentence in between. Now, I don't expect you to have memorized or recognized what the equation was. Okay. But I'm hoping that you can just use context clues to determine what the answer of this question is.
1: I'll try my so, best.
0: So, what was that equation at the top of the whiteboard? Was it A, a nonsense equation that when calculated alphanumerically spells out arrival? Was it B? the standard formula for entropy aka the arrow of time or c a working of the dirac equation which is an equation which brings together quantum mechanics and relativity i think c you think it's the dirac yep equation relativity and quantum mechanics relativity and quantum mechanics i kind of do okay you are incorrect. <laughs> I was really hoping you would hear the arrow of time and choose that one. I kind of since it very much has to do with it, the arrow of time. Yes, the standard formula with entropy, which describes how everything reduces com- uh, complexity until in time. yeah, it, it degrades. Everything eventually does. Yeah, you know the so so-called uh, heat death theory of the universe. Yeah, that whole nonsense. Entropy.
1: It is nonsense because uh, uh, gravity is the main reason, isn't it?
0: Well, I I think it just has to do with uh, the interaction of molecules with one another that over time results in a unifying of energy over the whole expanse of the universe.
1: I knew that. Yeah. Boy, we're nerds.
0: All right, so you've got two wrong and two right. This is your chance to come out on top, or at least 60%. You can get a D at this point.
1: My chance to steal.
0: All right. And this one is not a weird science, nerdy, nonsense question. It's one I hope that you're going to get right. Montana is the alien arrival site in the USA. True. which, (laughs) Which other film uses Montana as the site of first contact, with extraterrestrials, A, Star Trek: First Contact, nineteen ninety six, B, Contact, nineteen ninety seven, oh. or C, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, nineteen ninety seven. All of the above, or nineteen seventy seven. I'm sorry. Um, I'm gonna go with Star Trek. Star Trek: First Contact. Yes, sir. You are correct. Ah! Yeah. La, 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 la. When the Vulcans first come down, that whole thing with uh, uh, warp theory—yeah, um, he 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 does that first successful test of the warp drive, and uh, I forgot his name. Yeah, but yeah. they. Um, oh man, I'm forgetting now too. Zephyr uh, uh, Zephyr Cochran. Cochran. Yep, he uh, Good old he Zephry. does that. <laughs> he does that test drive, and the uh, Vulcans land in Montana, where apparently that's a that's a battleground. In World War III or whatever.
1: He's a great warden in other movies, too.
0: You are correct, though, yeah. Star Trek First Contact, Thank 1996. You. Also has a first encounter uh, in Montana. So, <laughs> congratulations! Thank you. You got three out of five correct.
1: Okay, so that gives me a C+. Plus.
0: So, next week, when you formulate your uh, trivia quiz against right. me, I mean, you can make them easy if you want me to get them all right. Or you can make them just as hard as I did this week, because I was trying to stump you. Well, we come
1: to the finale of the show, which is probably going to be my favorite part of every single show that we ever do for oh. the rest of uh, time. Oh, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, Lewis is going to describe the movie poorly, and hopefully 60 seconds or less.
0: Yeah, this is a section of the show called Lewis Describes a Movie Poorly in Hopefully 60 Seconds. If it goes over deal with it. If it's under suck it up. So I wanted to do, uh, the movie jingle all the way as an end of the year Christmas movie because of the absurdity of the movie. And because it's just one of those movies that affected me as a child because it came out in 1990, but both of us were super busy and I'm not upset that we didn't get to do it because I realized I can describe this movie very poorly in just 60 seconds. <laughs> okay. So. Here we go. This is, Lewis describes a movie poorly in hopefully 60 seconds. You just tell me when to go. You go, dog. All right. So, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad, they're in a movie together? Oh, yeah. It's the 90s. Arnie plays a very American dad with a very American wife and son for a very unrealistic reason until he does a very American thing. He forgets to buy his child the year's hottest Christmas season toy and then he lies to his wife about not getting it weeks earlier. Classic. He travels the many stores for the elusive Turbo Man doll to be thwarted by masses of consumers possessed by the need to show their children material goods. Simbad is a disgruntled postman who also needs to get his son a Turbo Man doll. And what can go wrong there? It's not like at one point Sinbad will become a terrorist, threatening the police with a real mail bomb, right? They both go from one location to the next failing to secure the toy. All the while, Arnie's wife is at home being sexually harassed by Phil Hartman. When all seems lost, Arnie yells at Phil to, put that cookie down! No! He gets drunk with an actual reindeer and jumps into a children's ball pit while being accused of being a pervert by a mob of violent mothers. If only it wasn't called a children's ball pit, he'd probably be okay. At the end of the movie, after a spree of felonies and moral crimes, Arnold becomes Iron Man, uh, sorry, I mean Turbo Man, and flies around the city fighting Sinbad for the prize of a limited edition Turbo Man doll. While he does get it, his child ends up giving it to the desperate Sinbad because his dad has proven to be better than Turbo Man, and he's also apparently super unaware of the value of that limited edition doll. You ungrateful little shit. The end. <laughs> Time. The next movie that we're going to see. Yeah, tell me what is it. It's I'm Your w- turn.
1: I'm excited. I would like to see The Departed. This is this is a a Martin Scorsese film. It has good old Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. It has Matt Damon. Ooh. It has.
0: <laughs> is that a burp? No, did you hear a sound?
1: Yeah, I
0: heard a (laughs) burnt right before you said it. (laughs) It was like in my throat. It wasn't even, nothing nothing came out.
1: Okay. Uh, Matt Damon? Matt Damon, ooh. It has um, Mark Wahlberg.
0: Mark Wahlberg? Yeah.
1: It has... Can uh, you
0: name anyone else I'm hot and bothered over?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, The guy who hosts Here's the Thing. (gasps) Be still my heart you know who it is? No. I can't remember. I'm trying so hard. Well, who's the one who plays Trump on SNL all the time? Tina Fey. N- Trump. Oh, that? <laughs> <laughs> Baldwin. Alec, Alec Baldwin is in this. <laughs> the next film will be departed. I will have a quiz for you. Lewis, thank you again for another outstanding performance. Oh, I love it every time. I do, too. This is fun to do. Thank you again. Please join us next time when Lewis says,
0: Hey, who laid this big egg in this field?
1: Hey!
0: Please visit Surbinator.wordpress.com. Visit Surbinator Land on Facebook, Google, and Twitter. All shows available in iTunes, Stitcher. RSS Download at Google Play. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.